We are so grateful for you all joining us tonight and the candidates and everyone here. Thank you all so much for being here. We also want to give out a huge thanks to Tri-County Health Network um, for providing amazing simultaneous interpretation and basin at the library. I'm going to introduce Antonio in order for us to be equitable in a space like this. Um, uh, representation matters and 32% of our population is Spanish speaking. So we hire Antonio. He is a trained in simultaneous interpretation, which takes a lot of skill to do while you're talking, he's interpreting Spanish. And he'll talk a little bit about what it means to talk a little bit slower while you all are talking so he can interpret. And we'll say this in Spanish and then tell you a little bit more of what to do. All right, hi everybody. My name is Antonio. Thank you for having me here today. Uh, hola a todos, mi nombre es Antonio. Este, eh, la, la sesión de hoy va a ser para interpretar simultáneamente el inglés y el español. So today's uh, meeting is going to be simultaneously interpreting to Spanish and English for the Q&A part. Uh, just a few guidelines for the interpretation to make this, uh, to make the best out of this uh, uh, event. It's like, number one, please uh, speak loud and clear, and more importantly, a little slower than normal. It takes uh, quite a bit of difference between the two languages. So sometimes one word, like one language, takes about two or three in the other language. So, por favor, quiero pedirles a todos que para facilitar la interpretación, este, si pueden hablar fuerte y claro y sobre todo un poco espacio debido a las diferencias que hay entre los dos idiomas. And so, other than that, uh, uh, I'd like to thank everybody. And first of all, I would like to acknowledge the organizers for their commitment to language inclusion and for practicing uh, uh, lang uh, language justice and for creating these legal standards for all. Thank you, everybody. So now we can start. Thank you. Good evening, everyone. I'm Jocelyn lipton I'm also a member of the Governing Council of the PWC. Um, and with me is Julia Mijian and she will be co-moderating with me. So we're going to ask everything in both languages. Um, we will begin this evening with brief presentations on the local ballot measures pertaining to the town of Telluride and the Telluride Hospital District. Then we will move into our candidate forum. First, we will have the six town council candidates and the three mayoral candidates together for opening statements and a few questions. Then we will ask the town council candidates to take a seat and we will finish with four additional questions for the mayoral candidates. Um, so let's get started with Adrian Christie, who's a current Telluride town council member to tell us about the two ballot measures we will see from the town this fall. Hello everyone. Um, thank you, Joss. As Joss mentioned, I am a current town council member. I wanted to quickly go over two different ballot measures that are gonna, you're going to see on your ballot. Um, I'll start off by saying both of these are more of a housekeeping measure, um, but it's important to be informed regardless. So I'll start with 2A, which is the authorization to retain lodgers tax revenues. Um, this is a required Tabor question. Uh, so in 2021, you might remember we all as town electors voted to approve a town lodgers tax. And while it was sort of read as a new tax, according to Tabor, it was more like a modification of where the tax was collected. The 2% lodgers tax existed in the county and then was passed through the town. Um, and in 2021, all the voters elected to have that tax be repealed as a county tax and then implemented as a town of Telluride 2% tax. 
Um, so in doing that, the town was required by Tabor to estimate how much it expected to make in the first year of tax collection. Uh, the town estimated $1 million would be collected in 2022 for the town lodgers tax. This was based on two previous years of budget of 725,000 in 2020 and 700,000 in 2021. Um, despite projecting an excess of the previous year's budget, the town collected 1,163,598, um, which of course is over $1 million. So Tabor does not allow entities to keep the excess amount generated by the new tax um, Oh, excuse me, Tabor only allows entities to keep that extra money um, if the town electorate approves it. So the town is asking uh, the electorate to approve keeping $163,598 in its budget. Um, this is a unique and quirky provision associated with Tabor. Um, it's only a request for the first year, and then after that, the excess is allowed um, anytime without voter approval. Um, so the Ballot language starts, may the town of Telluride keep all revenues collected, dot, dot, dot. So the answer to that question is up to you. Um, it's important to note that the town um, doesn't have a mechanism necessarily to return that amount of money, and nor does Tabor outline how it should be returned. Taxes are, create, are collected by individuals who are visiting this community, um, and we do not collect direct information to be able to return cents on the dollar to each of these people. So that's 2A, 2B is uh, a home rule charter amendment. So in short, this is a minor language change to the charter so the town of Telluride can continue to coordinate its elections with the San Miguel County um, Clerk and Recorder's Office. So the home rule charter says that municipal elections must be held in odd years in November. Um, and to do this, the town coordinates with the San Miguel County Clerk and Recorder, and this benefits both entities financially. It also supports voter turnout, and it reduces confusion around when Election Day actually is in the town of Telluride. Um, our charter is unique and specifically calls out that you have to live in the town of Telluride for at least 22 days prior to the election, whereas most other jurisdictions... Um, including the county, require only 22 days within the state of Colorado. So we, the town of Telluride is asking to change the charter to remove the town of Telluride and insert the state of Colorado as a requirement for qualified electors. Um, I'll leave it at that. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Now we will hear from Dr. Deanna Colliker, representing the Telluride Hospital District, to tell us about their ballot measure. Sure. Perfect. <laughs> Hi there. Um, I'm Dr. Deanna Colliker. I am an emergency physician and the director of our emergency department, as well as our current interim CEO for the Telluride Medical Center. And our hospital district, and I'm joined here today by Banks Brown, um, a member of our board of directors. Our Telluride Hospital District was formed in 1978, and we offer comprehensive primary care with integrated behavioral health and 24-7 emergency services. We see more than 20,000 patients in our primary care, our lab, our radiology department, and our emergency department every year. And providing rural health care to this community and to the visitors that come here is difficult and costly. 
And last year, we lost $1.4 million. And this year, we are on track to lose $1.6 million. And there are a lot of reasons for those losses. Some things are within our control, and we are doing everything we can to adjust those things. But many things are not within our control. And it is just part of the business of doing rural health care. And so we are seeking alternate sources of revenue in order to continue providing all of the services that we currently are providing. And so ballot measure 6A is um, on um, in November. Yes on 6A will provide an additional 3.25 mills to the hospital district so that we can continue providing the services we are currently. It will mean an additional $4 million a year in revenue. And to the taxpayer, it means if your home is valued at $1 million, it will be an additional $18 a month or less than $220 a year. If you have a half a million dollar home, it is $9 a month and $110 a year. And a yes on 6A will allow the hospital district to continue doing its very important work. Thank you. Thank you both. Um, all right, let's get started with the forum. We will begin with a very brief 30 second introductions from the candidates and then move into questions. Each candidate will have 90 seconds for answers and Melanie is our lovely timekeeper over here. Um, so look out for her noise making when it's time to stop. Um, let's move, let's start on this end for introductions and move across. And then after that, we'll be pulling names and doing it randomly. Okay, <clears throat> Jonathan, you seen here and I consider myself a very moderate candidate in my last 14 years of uh, living here, my priorities as a business operator and owner have always been participating in the community and preserving it and taking care of my people. And I think that that really informs my sense of judgment and my motivation to step into a role like this and ask for your trust in a role like this and learning how to do that over time. Three seconds. That's fast. Oh, wow. I'll talk about myself later. So. Um, okay. Uh, my name is Ashley Story. Um, I'm a fifth generation uh, Telluride resident. Um, I have the unique perspective of being born and raised in Telluride. Um, I think that that allows me to appreciate um, the triumphs and struggles that um, can exist for our families here. I also think that I have a unique perspective or maybe not as unique as a business owner um, as I started my own business here um, eight years ago. That's time. <laughs> Hi, I'm Arya Stark and I have a strong background in finance and data analytics, worked on Wall Street and government regulation of the mortgage industry for eight years. I have served on boards and commissions for over 30 years. So I have very strong background in governance, know how to create accountability. I think that's really important 
in a weak mayor system that we have here in Telluride. And I also co-founded an organization that trained and has elected over 1,200 Democratic women across the U.S. Hi, um, I'm Elena Levin, and I've lived in Telluride for 10 years. Um, I owned and ran Ghost Town, a small coffee shop on Main Street, and I closed it in 2021 due to the employee shortage and burnout from a busy town that wasn't meeting the challenge of taking care of its people and businesses. I believe that public health is the core of our success as a community, and that means stable and affordable housing, resources for families, sustainable income, adequate school staffing and human resources like resources like the med center. <laughs> Hi, I'm Jenny Carlson. Uh, I've been in town for 18 years. I have an education in economics and have lived in four countries. I've been working in vacation rentals uh, since I've lived here, uh, both for a larger local company and now running my own business. I'm running on a platform of fiscal responsibility, data-driven decisions, and long-term planning for a growing future in Telluride. Hi, my name is Lishay Benton. I'm a 10-year uh, Telluride resident, and I'm lucky to own an affordable housing unit. I not only support the Telluride working class, but I'm a member of it. I've served four years on the Ecology Commission. I've, I currently serve on the Planning and Zoning Commission, the Public Arts Commission, and the Vending Subcommittee. I value equality, diversity, and I support engagement, transparency, and balance. I'm a hard worker, attentive listener, and collaborative team player, always seeking to help provide a better and more effective way of achieving equitable solutions. Hi, my name is Mia and I'm the current mayor pro tem and I'm running for mayor. In my current role, I've consistently actively worked with staff, other council members, community stakeholders and our regional partners to fulfill each of the priorities we have named as a council and as a town. I am the candidate most qualified to lead the community to address uh, the significant capital improvements we all know are facing this town. In fact, I've been working on regional solutions to these issues the entire time I've been on council. My unwavering commitment to creating transparency and community involvement in governance um, making has been evident throughout my time on council. <laughs> Hi, I'm Teddy Erico, and I've lived 25 of my 28 years in the town of Telluride. And simply put, I love it here. And we just need to do better as a community and better for our locals. And I can provide that leadership for us and provide it now. But simply put, the time to plan is over and the time to act and do things to improve our community and unity is right now. And I'm your guy to do that. Thank you. My name is Jesse Reguez. I have spent the last 10 years in uh, regional government, the last six of which I was on, I still am on town council and served a year and a half as mayor pro tem. I also currently sit on 14 boards and I raise a 12 year old daughter here. Um, my experience as far as preparing me to better serve as mayor of the town of Tyride, moving forward, my greatest areas of focus regarding our town are long-term regional planning, crucial infrastructure improvements, sustainable tourism, government transparency, and data-driven discussions. Oh, it's about to stop. Okay, sorry, it's so quick. It's We gotta keep things moving so that we can hear from all of you. Um, all right, 
Do you think of yourself as a disruptor candidate, or are you reasonably satisfied with the current direction of the town of Telluride? What do you think is working well and what needs to change? ¿Se considera un candidato perturbado o está razonablemente satisfecho con la dirección actual de la ciudad de Telluride? ¿Qué crees que estás ¿Qué crees que está funcionando bien y qué necesita cambiar? Well, start with Elena. Um, I think I'm not just a disrupt disruptive candidate, but I am a disruptive citizen. In 2019, I petitioned for a short-term rental tax of 2.5% that got voted in by the electorate. And um, it goes straight to affordable housing. Last year, it collected $1.3 million in just 2022. Um, I think that I really um, put into action the things that I believe in. And I have strong opinions, but I also am really willing to listen to other people. Um, I think that the town of Telluride has done a lot to work towards its goals, but I think we still have a lot of issues that we need to address. Um, I think we need to work on increasing accessibility and involvement through JEDI practices to engage um, more of our community. Um, I think that we need to continue to look at how we use our land and how people are bringing in money here. And I think that means looking at the tourism economy to help find the funding to solve some of our town's problems. Our infrastructure is um, needs a lot of improvement and a lot of the need for that is because we live in this tourism economy. So I don't think that the Telluride taxpayers should be bearing all the burden of handling those issues. And I think that it's the responsibility of that industry to contribute to solving those problems. Oh, solving those problems. <laughs> El 30% de nuestra comunidad habla español. Oui. Yes, sorry. Oh, Jonathan. Oh. May I ask you to repeat the question? It was kind of. Okay, no, yes. Uh, Do you think of yourself as a disruptor candidate or are you reasonably satisfied with the current direction of the town of Telluride? What do you think is working well and what needs to change? Um, I think of myself as a very moderate um, thinker and candidate. And what I think works well is that the wheels are turning and um, the town operates. It can be much more inclusive and equitable. Um, a lot of us have access to resources that others do not. And the town has a role in that um, for leveling the playing field. Um, I think that we also need to make our decisions more carefully on the government level because we've made some regrettable, in hindsight, consequential decisions. And I would love to see slower, more methodical, careful um, collaboration as regional entities through our biggest decisions. Thank you. Maria. Well, I don't think of myself as a disruptive person, but um, I would say um, there's things I'm concerned about in terms of how the town is going. I think the, the town staff is really talented, um, but I think that there needs to be more comprehensible financial statements, consolidated financial statements of cash flow. I don't always understand where, you know, money's going to come from or go to. It's unclear to me how 
this town will afford $200 million in expenses. I don't think that um, the town needs to blindly accept endless growth. Um, that there's a character in this town that we're all incredibly drawn to. And I think we need to do more to protect that. Um, I am not a disruptor candidate, but what I am is a collaborative consensus builder. So I welcome disruptors, I welcome new ideas, and I welcome the revisiting of decisions we've made in the past in order to move forward towards a better future. Um, I think the town has done some things exceptionally well. I think one of the things that I've seen this year in this um, in this forum is that we've all really come together to address and identify what the true challenges and concerns are for the community at large, um, whether it's wastewater, whether it's our medical center, um, whether it's the gondola and affordable housing. I think, you know, for the first time I've seen in a really long time, we as a community are all together focusing on goals. And by doing so, we're going to be able to move together that much more quickly. Um, I think that's one of the things we also need to change is that we need to create greater consensus. We need to have more transparency. We need to be able to have the community as a part of each and every conversation that we are um, participating in as council, as individuals, so that we can move forward together quickly to address the challenges that we have currently right now for um, the community and the ones that we know are, we're going to face in the future. Eddie. I'm certainly someone who is for unity and would never look at myself as a disruptor because what we need right now with our council, with our town staff, with our commissions, and with all of our constituents and locals is to unify our vision and create the lifestyle that we all love and need to maintain. I think our town is doing a great job in planning and they're doing the best that they can. But what needs to change, simply put to me, is first creating a path for our younger generation, call it 35 and younger. How can they see a long-term future here that not only gives them hope, but also lends them to the decision-making process that will make Telluride a better place for the next 25 years plus that the old timers are gonna be phasing out of. Um, I can be that leader in that bridge. Um, and the other thing that needs to change is action. We've done plenty of planning and we've lost the ability to do perfect projects. So act, start solving the affordable housing projects with projects we've been proposed with them, but we don't know about them. And same thing with the med center, it's time to act and get it done. Jesse Ray. Uh, um, I think I'm a little bit of both and it depends on the context of the situation at hand. I think that there are moments to build bridges and moments to come to consensus, but when true change happens, you need to be the loud voice in the room and often say things that nobody wants to hear. Um, that doesn't mean that you can't build bridges, but 
change does come from having a little bit of a disruptive personality or a voice. I think that there's much more to work on in this community besides affordable housing and our medical center. I think a big part of that solution is sitting down with the proper stakeholders, other municipalities, the, the county, other stakeholders, and talk about more long-term regional planning and collaboration. And we also have a huge need for the most basic infrastructure, and that is early childhood education and places for the most, the youngest members of our community to go to. So can I be disruptive? 100%. Um, is it always hoping for resolution at the end? Yes, but I'm also a very good team player and a great choice for mayor. <laughs> Ashley. Um, okay, so I think that um, the word disruptor here is like lending itself to being negative, but I also think that the disruptor can be the person that maybe is asking a question that's not being posed by somebody else so that you can get a fuller picture of the problems that we have. So my hope is that being on town council, I can be that kind of inquisitive person asking questions, trying to understand things at a deeper level, understanding stakeholders and what and how our decisions are going to impact people, not just right now, but down the road. I think that our community is full of very passionate people that want change for certain things, but maybe are less apt to be stepping back and looking at a fuller, broader picture. So my hope is that I can be collaborative, um, that I can be communicative, and that I can also be compromising. So um, that's kind of my my thought on this is that disruption doesn't have to be halting, but it can actually be probing, questioning, um, and um, informative for, for every stakeholder that's involved. So that would probably be my my um, feeling on this, and I'll leave with some time on the quote. <laughs> Jenny. Uh, I think I am a collaborative candidate and sort of sort of also the strict parent, especially when it comes to fiscal responsibility and how taxpayer money is spent. Um, I do think that we need to present how money is spent specifically on housing and are we finding the most effective uh, solutions? Over the last few years, I regret to see that we've spent so much time discussing and implementing regulations and fees on short-term rentals, which has not helped solve any housing issues or create more housing. 73% um, of the funding for subsidized housing already comes from short-term rentals and homeowners. We've seen over and over how seemingly knee-jerk decisions in years past, as well as unresearched and drastic fee increases overnight have not only unintended consequences and they've often created an off opposite effect. Um, they've divided the community and they've also left certain segments of our residents and industries feeling slighted and villainized. And I think we need to do a much better job in involving affected parties before discussions and, and decisions are made. Um, I would like to see much more data presented to the public on a regular basis on how money is spent again on housing and what the ROI is on current housing build. Finally, Alicia. Okay, um, I definitely don't think I'm a disruptor. I'm, I'm much more of a moderate uh, moderate candidate. I'm a collaborator, but I'm also a unifier. I'm an active listener. I, I truly feel that it's important to listen to everybody, not just come with an agenda, but kind of you're 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 representing your community. So you really have to listen to the needs of everybody. 
And then also my background. I just feel that um, being in affordable housing, I definitely know the not only the need for it, but the need for it to, to thrive here. And then also being in lodging and in real estate, I think that that brings a lot of balance. You have to have perspective to understand how to problem solve from all the different um, from all the different areas. And I think that, you know, a lot of the things that we're, we're tackling um, have to do with public-private partnership. And I think that having a real estate background and even having a lodging background, it really brings the community together. I feel like I fit into all the categories and um, I can relate to our, our part-time residents. I can definitely relate to our full-time residents and our, our, our community members. And we do have a lot of affordable housing on the, on the forefront, five to 700 units uh, projected in the next five to 10 years. And then we also have a lot of infrastructure issues. Uh, we have a, a wastewater treatment plant that is the most um, biggest priority. So I think that we have a lot of big things to tackle and collaboration and unity is uh, the only way to get it done. Thanks to you. All right. Okay. El 30% de nuestra comunidad habla español y está sobrepresentada en las discusiones y toma de decisiones de la comunidad. ¿Qué harías específicamente para crear espacios para, re, para la representación y elevar nuevas voces? 30% of our community are Spanish speaking and are underrepresented in community discussion and decision making. What would you do specifically to make space for representation and uplift new voices? Um, I have been advocating and already speaking with our Marshall Department on how do we make Telluride and or San Miguel County a sanctuary county. I feel like where this starts for our first and aliens or unregistered or most fragile demographic of people in our community is with them feeling safe. And I feel without them feeling safe, they won't be as engaged in the community as we are trying to allow them to be. So giving them a place where they don't have to worry about being picked up by ICE, I think is probably the most important thing. And it's something that I will continue to fight for relentlessly and advocate um, continuously to make everyone feel safe in the town of Telluride. Maria? Uh, I love this question. Um, so in other communities, the way we've succeeded in increasing the representation and participation of the Spanish-speaking community is by every time we do events, it's with navigators. So I think it's wonderful to have um, interpretation, which is such an awesome skill. And it, um, but that's just the starting point. There also needs to be, in addition to food and childcare provided, there needs to be, uh, you know, bicultural, bilingual people that stand in the middle and make a space welcoming for events to happen. And I have to say, like, when you pull it off, it really is a magical experience because People can connect across language, and it, it really, over time, increases the participation um, of Spanish speakers. And I agree with Jesse Ray that, um, that being a sanctuary county would be incredibly powerful. Okay. 
Jonathan. Well, um, my heart for social justice speaks really loudly to me here about underrepresentation and diversity and equity issues, um, period. And I am troubled that when we talk about this topic, it's often prefaced with the fact that, oh, we have to have the Latin community for the economic vitality and we can't survive without it. And I think that's a big problem, that that's how it's kind of being framed. Um, I also want to say that uh, I need to be the first to acknowledge my privilege as being white and male. And secondly, my eyes and ears are wide open. I don't claim to have the solutions here. Um, and I really want to listen and learn from the community and respond. Um, all of the things other people have said are a great start. I very strongly agree with what we're hearing from other candidates. Um, I know some gaps here when we're talking about uh, translation and accessibility is what are all of the things available to the Latin community, including paths to homeownership that is affordable and um, are we celebrating and welcoming all communities and cultures in a very authentic way where they know that they're a part of the community or that we're just making place for them because we need to? Jenny. I think that obviously coming from a, a different uh, country, I know firsthand that successful immigration spells integration. Uh, obviously, I'm from a very peaceful country, Sweden. I didn't flee here from from war or other other things. But looking at the history of Sweden over the last few years, um, it's a very quiet and peaceful country. But in the last five years, it has really turned into um, the problems that have been um, that have been ignored for five to 10 years are now starting to uh, rear its ugly head. We have about 30 gang related shootings every month in Sweden, which most people probably don't know about, but a lot of those issues have to do with uh, a really failed uh, integration. And I think obviously for Telluride, that's, that's not the case, but I do think the importance of having a plan for integration um, coordinators doing events, I think is a great idea. Um, communication in both languages, but also helping getting integrated, meaning language classes, classing is, is in starting businesses, more steps in housing for the entire community, and just really have a long-term plan for, um, for integration. Um, I believe that Telluride's Latinx community deserves nothing less than our full support on all fronts. I'm committed to work tirelessly to create a community that supports the residents of all socioeconomical levels and uh, to both thrive and prosper, whether that means childcare support, housing, and transparency. I'm interested in helping Telluride become a sanctuary city, much like Jesse mentioned, a, mun a municipality that limits or denies is the cooperation with the national government enforcing the immigration laws. We also need to encourage our members to be involved in council and other roles that are um, forward facing with our community. I believe we need to take care of our community and ensure all of the Telluride neighbors feel safe, seen and heard. 
I look forward to serving the Telluride Latinx community and being part of the necessary conversations and equitable solutions that we must create to unitedly move forward. It's um, Mia. Um, you know, I grew up in New York and was fortunate enough to have only known integration throughout my childhood. Um, I was even a part of a school system that was under court mandated integration um, for the beginning part of my my life. Um, you know, from my place in council, I think it's not my role to speak for a community, but to provide the space for those who wish to speak for a community to be able to do so. Um, there's this expression I love, and it's, um, if you cannot be the light, be the mirror that reflects it. Um, and that's something that I try and do each and every day, um, to be able to give the opportunities, to be able to give the chances for people to ask and to demand what they feel that they are due, what they feel is right for them and for the people that don't have a voice or don't want to speak up for themselves. Um, I sit on coffee, and one of the things that I love most about that organization is having seen over the past two years every single group and festival and event come to the organization and saying, how can we be better? How can we serve you? How can we integrate and create the experience that will allow the participation and community involvement so that we are as one community, not these two fragmented communities that we've experienced in the years before. Um, on council, um, I have advocated for simultaneous interpretation. Um, I am really excited that that is in the budget for 2024 for our council meetings. Um, and we have also relaxed the elector requirements for boards and committees. The first thing that we need to do as a community is build housing and provide medical care and solve the basic needs. And that's very important in the Spanish speaking community, because if we don't solve those issues, they won't have time or care to be more integrated into our community because we're failing them. You know, everyone has the right to enjoy the lifestyle that we have here in Telluride, and, and this is no different. And so what I think is, is we often ask on how we can integrate but they need to tell us what they'd like to see from their point of view in a much stronger way. And we need as a community to realize that the Spanish speaking community is a huge part of this community and we are lost without them. And simply put, you know, they don't need us. You know, we need the Spanish speaking community or the community is at a huge loss. And so hopefully we can um, make strides. As mayor, I can ask questions and really try to engage, make our meetings more efficient so they can spend the time and contribute and real, really feel a part of our community. Elena. I think that communication is the foundation of anything that wants to be intersectional and inclusive. So I think that um, having our uh, meetings, having our boards, having our materials um, be available in um, English and Spanish is kind of the core thing that we need to do. Um, 
I think building on top of that, um, our town needs to think about equity in all of the decisions that it makes. Um, I think we also need to be inclusive in the way that we use our taxpayer money to put on events for the town. I think um, we have a beautiful melting pot of cultures here and the things that we put on as a community should reflect that. Um, I also think it's really important that with a lot of our boards and positions that we change our language and our requirements from being a Telluride voter to a Telluride resident so that it makes space for people who don't have the privilege to be a voter but still live here and are already part of our community. I think a lot of the way that this is talked about is an us and them. And I think that that isn't the right way to look at it because the Latinx community is Telluride. Um, and it's not whether or not we, you know, choose to make space for them or choose to accept them. It's that we're already living here together and, um, and we need to be more, um, a, more intentional about how we move forward. I think we need to put pressure on people. Uh, yeah, I could talk about this one for a long time. Um, yeah, I really I appreciate everything that everybody said. So it's it's hard to go last. I'll say that and not feel like you're just parroting back things that have already been said. Um, I wanted to make just one clarifying point that local law enforcement already made pledges that they were not going to be participating with ICE in our communities. So that already is something that is um, a pledge that's been taken by our local law enforcement. I think that we should all acknowledge that. Um, I think that, you know, the the biggest thing that you can do for anybody, regardless of where they're from, if they were born here or just moved here, is making sure that they have opportunities, be that in housing, child care, medical, um, and business opportunities as well. I think that uh, if we can support, you know, our Latinx uh, community members, not only as a workforce, but as potential business owners, that's a huge asset that I think is untapped um, in our community. Um, I fully agree with everything that's been said about expanding the inclusion in our committees um, to be, you know, bigger members in our community. It's really important that it's not just if you have your residency, but if you're in this community that you're able to participate. Um, I also think that that has to extend to our practices um, with housing and that if we um, are taking money from certain entities that restrict it based on your, um, you know, status in our community, that we should take a long, hard look and see if that's actually serving everybody here. Thank you all. Um, the housing discussion can give rise to magical thinking, but we know there are no easy solutions. Please speak specifically to how you think subsidized housing should be funded into the future and which sectors of the area median income we should be building for. El debate sobre la vivienda puede dar lugar a pensamientos mágicos, pero sabemos que no hay soluciones fáciles. Por favor. Hable específicamente sobre cómo cree que debería financiar las viviendas subsidiadas en el futuro y para qué sectores de ingresos medio del área, del área deberíamos construir. Jonathan. Oh, it's 90 seconds enough. Okay. Um, I think that we have pretty good effective funding right now and it takes time to build things and thank you to the last councils for uh, getting a lot of projects approved and they're coming and um, 
how can we do better on this? There is a lot of AMI limitations and um, that's bigger than a 90 second conversation, but there's a lot of housing that cannot be purchased because of AMI limitations. And for another time, I think that what we're not doing also is um, looking at creative ways for utilizing some of the existing housing stock that's around magically not all of it will be available but there's creative ways to make some of it available and i also think that we've made some decisions that have really created sorry damaged the goodwill in the community that have limited opportunities for partnerships and philanthropy and larger uh, collaborations and ways to solve for this and um all I can do is say that I think that without elaborating on it. Um, but in some, it's a very multi-layered problem and we're going to have to pull solutions from everywhere and not limit our options. Great. Elena. Um, okay. I, I think that, um, gosh, this is a huge question. Uh, the funding sources for our affordable housing, I think, are already coming from some really good places. Um, like I said, I was part of the short-term rental tax, which goes directly into the affordable housing fund. Um, I think that Telski needs to be involved in some of our solutions because they are a lot of the reason that we have such a need for housing. Um, I think that... Um, uh, sales taxes are not the solution. I do not think regressive taxes actually help with the problem. I think they tax the people who are actually trying to give housing to. Um, I think that one of the problems with our housing formula is that it's really eliminated a space for the middle class to thrive. And I've seen this happen a lot where you sort of price yourself out of Shandoka or out of deed restriction, but you definitely can't enter into the free market. And I would really like to see that middle space be addressed more. Um, I think that we need to have a lot of different types of housing to solve the problem. I would love to see um, rental units in town, more apartment style units. And I would love to see those built up in the maximum density that we can. I think we're past the point of, um, of the luxury of having things built lower than the density that's allowable. Um, oh, so much. Ashley. Okay. Um, so I think that where we're at right now um, isn't a position of build more because we already have lots of projects on the horizon that are coming up. We're kind of in a situation where we need a stopgap between now and when those projects are completed. So we don't have a ton of time. So uh, one of the um, ideas that I would like us as a community, not just as a town, but as an intergovernmental with you know surrounding uh, towns like Mount Village, um, you know, Rico for whatever, and the county um, is that we should have incentive programs to help people get into um, housing that's already built. So I think that cooperation, collaboration gets you a lot further than um, having a, a, a position of, of adversary. So my hope is that we could work on some programs or work on something so that 
we could get people into um, housing that's already built, like back shacks, rentals, lock-offs, things like that, to help us get into a position later on when things are actually built. Um, I think that the intergovernmental um, coordination is really important. I think that each of us trying to solve these problems as an island is not going to work. We have to have a really coordinated and clear solution that works with all of these entities coming together. Um, I also think that public-private partnerships are the best way to fund because it won't rely on us taxing at all. Jesse Ray. Um, yes, I just, I'm going to be disruptive for a minute because while Telluride Municipal or Police Department has made a pledge, other ones in our area have it. So once they leave the holding cell in town of Telluride, that's where things change for them, and that's who we need to work with. Um, when it comes to affordable housing, I do not believe that our current build, 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 build approach is working. I do think that utilizing existing inventory in tandem with building new housing, um, along with incentivizing homeowners through a tax credit funded out of the affordable housing fund and to rent lockoffs, EDUs, ADUs, and rooms would be really, really productive. We could also um, provide an applicant service to vet applicants on behalf of the homeowners because we've heard time and time again that homeowners who rent long term, you know, and they don't get to go into their units for two or three years, then all of a sudden they're throwing down, you know, a hundred grand just to get it rentable again. Um, I'd also like to push for more public private partnerships, including collaborations with special districts like the school district and niche markets like the arts district. Lee Shea. Hi. Um, I think that there are no easy solutions. That's absolutely right. Um, I think that this is a regional issue uh, that it has largely fallen on um, just a couple sectors of our community. And I think that this is something that we should all contribute to, especially the Mountain Village side as well, because this is definitely something we all need to collaborate with. Public-private partnership is absolutely something we need to start doing. Um, there's so many different ways that we could fund these projects uh, that wouldn't come directly from our affordable housing funds that are that are so sacred and we need as much as we can but we do have five to seven hundred in the works so we do have a lot of uh, things on the horizon but we also have the existing housing we have part-time residents that i've already been collaborating with some of the nonprofits in town and helping get lodging with those connections because it's all about relationships and it's about knowing those homeowners and having that trust and being that bridge of connecting those people with people that need lodging um also i think that the a short-term impact study, it was awesome because it laid, uh, led us to make data-driven decisions. And we really need to do a study that actually shows us the need as to what we're building for. We really don't have a really good idea of what that number is after COVID. And it's super important to know what our goal is and what we're trying to achieve. Teddy. <clears throat> well, the... Affordable housing crisis is a regional crisis that shouldn't fall completely on the hands of the town of Telluride. So we have to make sure we work with the five to seven largest employers, town of Mountain Village, San Miguel County, and TMVOA to pool all of our resources. We have very valuable land assets in Telluride that can turn into large banks of housing and not the 10 to 15 units per year that not only don't solve the problem, but divide friendships and, and it's a, and it's a really um, sad issue that we that we really have to fix. Um, we need to build mixed use communities that help break down the barriers 
but we need to do it now. For example, the school district is asking for a lot of money because they need to build the housing because we have failed them. So we have to do our job and put together a plan that's not perfect, but builds housing. And we have had those plans, plans in place and have chosen not to have transparency with our community and not engage our community, which I think is probably the most overeducated community in the country. <laughs> Let's use these resources to create this magical thinking to get it done. And keep in mind, you know, as a realtor, I have won seven times the locals realtor award for putting locals in housing. And that, that experience also helps me to lead this real estate problem. Maria. In terms of AMI, I think that the primary focus should be on folks who make up 100% of AMI, which is about $70,000 a year. Um, and then some secondary focus up to 200% of average median income. Um, I don't feel like it makes a lot of sense for taxpayers to subsidize um, incomes much greater than that. Um, we clearly don't have enough uh, affordable housing now. Uh, we probably need to get to like 30% of total housing units that are affordable or deed restricted. Um, I also think we need uh, commercial deed restricted uh, spaces so that restaurants or sort of food truck type restaurants can provide more affordable um, entertainment and meals in Telluride. Um, I also agree with a lot of the other points that others have made. We definitely need public-private partnerships. It needs to be a regional solution. Um, and I'll leave it at that. Mia. Um, I think the funding for subsidized housing should be supported by all that eat in restaurants, participate in activities. Um, hire professionals, services, or trades, you know, and most importantly, by all the companies that have employees that have workers. Um, I am in support of a tax that spreads the burden or opportunity to support um, housing stability for the people that do so much for the business owners um, by by paying into the housing fund so that it is not all borne by one industry. I think um, we all as business owners have employees and we all need housing for them. We also all create the challenges that we are facing currently right now. As far as the funding um, as to um, the area median, median income, I think that we need a mix. We need a mix really strongly between 60 and 200%. We have a lot of people in our community that are making 40,000, $50,000 a year and they need housing. We have people that are making 120,000 and cannot afford to live here either. And so by creating uh, projects that have mixed usage so that we have people that are in all area, all AMI ranges. So whether they're 40%, 50%, 80%, 90%, 200% in one building, we can actually subsidize the cost of that project that much better because the units that are at a 200% AMI can actually provide the funding to support the payment for the 50%. Amen. Finally, Jenny. Um, as I mentioned earlier, funding has been pretty unfairly distributed. As I mentioned, 73% 
of subsidized housing is currently funded by short-term rentals and homeowners. And I think everyone recognizes and have a need for affordable housing to uh, to employ their staff. So that needs to there needs to be a plan to have that more evenly funded. I do think that um, we have some good projects in the works. Um, the Southwest area um, has definitely some some good ideas, both with housing and commercial space, especially restaurants that I think um, with um, partnerships and uh, offering spaces where restaurants can get started, for instance, um, to build up a customer base and a business is a, is a there's a lot of opportunities there. Um, I do agree that we need more public-private partnerships, both in how we build housing uh, and collaborate, uh, collaborative partnerships with Telski, as was mentioned earlier, as including Mountain Village and the county, because this is a um, a regional issue. And you know, ultimately, we do need to create more housing ladder rungs, so to speak. That needs to we need to fill in the gaps for housing so that people um, can move up there more options between housing because I think that is one of the issues now is that the gaps are too big. Um, but part of that is not just building. I think it's also managing the inventory we do have um, so that residents can can keep moving up into housing. Thank you. Las familias de nuestra comunidad se ven especialmente afectadas por el alto costo de vida la falta de vivienda y el costo y la escasez del cuidado infantil. Si es elegido, ¿qué temas está usted parcial, particularmente dispuesto a defender para abordar esta realidad? Families in our community are especially burdened by the high cost of living, lack of housing, and cost, cost and scarcity of child care. If elected, which issues are you particularly ready to champion that would support families? Um, yes. <laughs> um, recently, I think it was the last forum or one of our last council members, I brought up the idea of coming up with maybe a locals card that you would pick up at the tourism board during off season to ensure that it was primarily our local population, but it would might provide 10 to 15% off at re retailers and dining establishments. We could figure out a way, whether it was through marketing dollars to reimburse those businesses who are participating in the program. I think making opportunities to allow for affordable housing is our affordable goods is part of it as part of the solution i think we're doing a great job of housing um the child care thing too we've been talking a lot about and we've recently given some money to assist bright futures and the importance that they do within our community but it's not enough so for it costs a child 100 to attend um early childhood education, that's without any subsidies. For a family to actually spend the appropriate amount, I think it's 7% of their income, they didn't make $300,000 a year. That's a really difficult salary for most families in this community. So we need, this is another time where municipalities and other stakeholders in the region need to come together and, and come up with a solution so that we can meet the, name, the needs of the families and then distribute funds equally and equitably so that everyone, not just the town operated child cares get this assistance. Mia. Um, if I'm elected, you know, and as my in my current seat, I am 
constantly championing um, all of this, the high cost of living, the lack of housing, the cost and scarcity of childcare. These are issues that we are all facing. Um, I think we are doing the best we possibly can with housing. We are moving as quickly as possible and trying to keep those price that pricing down as much as we possibly can. Um, and we are working towards um, taking care of childcare. We started our community development department. Delaney Young is overseeing that so that we can take a, a larger hold as a municipality to bring down the cost of childcare so that our families do not have to decide whether they can work or whether they can have a family, that they can do both. They can make those decisions for themselves without the cumbersome need to be able to just work solely to be able to afford for childcare. But the high cost of living, as Jesse mentioned, we've had a lot of these programs in the past. There was something called the Telluride Passport at one point, probably in like 2003, um, where you were able to actually utilize a card. It was a little book that like gave you little bits of discounts. I mean, the high cost of living in the town of Telluride is intense, you know, whether it's your kids' sports gear, the fact that they constantly grow out of shoes, like they eat like there's no business. Um, we need to bring all of these costs down so that our families can thrive, so that they can make decisions that are right for their children, not based on cost. And I think as a municipality, that is the first thing that we need to do is evaluate every decision that we make and how it is going to affect the members of our community that are youngest. Ashley. Um, so I think that, um, as Mia was saying, obviously all of these things affect um, people in our community in different ways. Um, I think particularly, you know, the high cost of living, um, you know, most of us just kind of like, oh, well, I'll just suck it up. But I think that people who are really at the lowest earning level in our community need a lot of support. And I think that one way that we as a council and as a community could help is by, you know, finding me funding mechanisms for things like the food bank that actually give out free food to people on a weekly basis. So I think that expanding those programs, not to just like oh, here's 10% off, but like, here's free food, I think could be a huge asset in expanding that, making sure that people know about it, making sure that those um, nonprofits are well-funded and are, um, you know, being accessible to the people that need them. I think that, you know, we've talked a lot about housing. Again, I think making sure that we are creating housing, whether it's already built or housing that we're planning on building, that is actually going to be affordable and accessible to the people that it's being purpose built for. It doesn't help us if we build something and the person that you're building it for can't get the loan to buy the house that you've built for them. So keeping track of our stakeholders, where they are, what they need when we're making decisions, I think is super, super paramount. Um, and I only have two seconds, so I'm done. <laughs> Jonathan. Um, you know, I think uh, housing and childcare are some of the biggest challenges. Um, taking care of a child limits your opportunity to make income so much more. And before you have a kid, you may have never thought of this. And obviously, I'm really encouraged that the town is taking over some of our childcare facilities and creating more um more of a career path out of that and we need more funding along those lines in terms of um housing i think it would be smart if future projects could lend themselves to creating ownership paths for families because they have dual income and um 
it's expensive to build and subsidize and more rentals, smaller rental units might make more sense for people who don't have kids. I hate to divide it that way, but if we're going to be really realistic and avoid the magical thinking, we kind of need to think that way. Furthermore, there's a lot of resources in the community that are underutilized. Um, when we're talking about food and general costs, um, I think that the free box is charming and awesome, but what if there was a real program that could eliminate waste and distribute it throughout the community for people who need it? Elena. So I've served on the case board for the past four years. Um, and on that board, we are in charge of distributing grant money to local nonprofits. Um, several of our recipients are childcare facility nonprofits. Um, we've been talking with the town manager, Scott, about moving the funding outside of the case board and directly funding childcare. And I think that that is a great step in the right direction. Um, I think that subsidized childcare would be a huge help to families. And I think that new housing developments should include childcare solutions in the construction. Um, I think that um, uh, the high cost of living you know, that goes back to what I said earlier about how I don't support a sales tax to fund affordable housing. I think by um, applying a sales tax to the already high cost of living here, we're making it harder for our locals to live here. And I think that, you know, while it's hard for us to really solve that, I think things like funding our nonprofits and making sure that our schools have enough money to pay their staff well so that they can afford to live here is important. And then those schools that are well-funded can then take care of our kids. Um, I think that um, the gondola is also something that we need to consider as something that alleviates some of the stress of having a family. Um, public transportation, yes. <laughs> Maria. So um, currently in Telluride, the average cost of childcare is at 10% and um, the recommended level is more is 7%. And so we need to do more to help subsidize childcare uh, to get that number down from 10% average to 7%. Um, childcare is obviously um, such a critical issue for women to fully participate in the economy. I've worked on getting women elected for over 20 years. It's always been a really important policy matter. Um, I've seen and worked on various models that have helped a lot, like a tri-share where government businesses and parents contribute equally to uh, the cost of providing childcare. I've also worked on a program of grant management uh, where childcare providers are uh, given grants to stabilize the salary um, and benefits of the providers. That's part of the problem is that childcare providers are often, you know, seeking better paying jobs um, by necessity, and we need to make sure that they are well provided for. Um, I agree that, you know, discounts isn't really what it's at. Uh, here in Telluride, everything is so expensive. Um, and I think we need to be providing more free um, food to those in need. 
Jenny. Um, Telluride's a wonderful community for for families and for children to grow up. We all know that. And from our experience, it really does take a village. We've been extremely fortunate through uh throughout our our time with our 10 year old daughter to you know get baby gear and and trading baby gear and all that kind of stuff and using friends for babysitting um i've been a full-time working mom over the last 10 years um i've also been on the board for rascals rainbow rockies um after school and daycare programs uh for three years they do a wonderful job with seeking grants from various sources, not just local, but state funding uh, and also offering financial help. Um, but, you know, I know how expensive it is. I think actually um, to, to Maria's point of 10%, I think it's actually closer to 13 or 15%. Um, we probably paid about $1,000 a month on average, and that's for one child. I can't even imagine how it would be for, for families that have two or three children. Um, you know, I think that we can get more creative, as I said earlier, with how we build and manage um, uh, housing um, with being more fiscally responsible to bring down housing costs, how we use commercial space. I think, again, with the Southwest uh, area plan, there is a lot of um, commercial space that could be used for for daycare. Um, and, um, yeah, I think nonprofits with funding is a, is a good source as well. And just the last point on, on nonprofits, a lot of that funding comes from our second homeowners. So again, I think in general, we need to be careful with, um, how we handle visitors and second homeowners in our community and, and really involve them as well. Teddy. Those are four tough issues. I mean, and, uh, they're going to be very difficult to solve. You know, we as a community created this scarcity and cost with some prior decisions long ago on the Valley floor in Idorado. But in terms of housing, I think we have to strive for rentals. Rentals are the affordability that helps us solve the crisis we're in. A million dollar house in Lawson, that's not realistic for most. Half a million dollar condo in the town of Telluride, that's not realistic to most. So rentals provide the affordability and then we can provide people the steps to get out of it for future home ownership. As for childcare, they all need to be new facilities incorporated into every development we do. And we need to look at guaranteed funding mechanisms to help pay for that because we need to support the families because the families are Telluride's future. And hopefully to create the high costs and reduce those, we can kind of get out of the mentality that I see lately in town, which is a certain level of greed that used to never exist here. We need to start understanding we're only as strong as our weakest local and work together to try to make this community more affordable instead of demanding the highest dollar amount for a variety of levels of services, food, housing, you name it. And we can do that by working together, being more transparent, and engaging our community to contribute in these discussions. Thank you. Um, again, those, it's hard going last, but um, those are all very important issues. I feel that childcare is a low hanging fruit. It's also the most important because if you don't have childcare, you can't work, you can't get your money to buy the house on the rent, all the things. But I do agree with Teddy. I think that mixed housing is important. We need to make sure that we are building with childcare involved, with parks involved, with youth, youth centers involved. So all of that, it's a community. So we all need to take care of each other. But obviously, um, 
the the daycare is obviously the the most important part of that and affordable daycare. I also have a lot of experience grant writing, so I think that that is obviously a a, a way to help subsidize some of that. Um, and I really agree with Johnny. The free box um, we have a wonderful free box. It's getting moved. We have wonderful sweet deals too. Somewhere we can combine those two. We have a great community that likes to give and recycle and reuse and renew. And I think that we can be creative about that and have drop-off points where people can come get things and we can share the things that we don't need anymore. I think that that could go a long way. Um, I think that, um, yeah, I, we also need to start cycling through our are people that um, are in deed restricted housing and give them ways to move up so that people can also, once they're done renting and they can finally afford to buy, that we can move our people up. Wonderful, thank you all. Um, we're now going to have 60 second closing statements from the town council candidates, after which you may take a seat in the audience and we'll have a few more questions specifically for the mayoral candidates um, we'll start with Lee Shea and move across. Excellent. Um, as an established resident of this town, I'm acutely aware of the issues and the concerns that matter most to our community, community at large. From our impending and formidable infrastructure challenges to our urgent need for sustainable and quality health care in the region. From the gravity of truly needing affordable community housing, but yet also advocating for a vibrant and thriving local economy. I recognize the decisions and the lack of decisions made by our town council can have a profound and lasting impact both on our full and part-time residents. But more importantly, I recognize the healing benefits that unity can forge within a fractured community. I vouch to work collaboratively to shape and define our unified regional goals. And as a council member, I will always seek to actively listen and effectively communicate the best and highest purpose of our entire community. I believe we need to rebuild trust, not only in our local government, but also with each other, our neighbors, by encouraging open communication, ensuring a transparent dialogue and listening with respect and empathy. With this promise, I ask for your support and your vote. Uh, I feel it's uh, extremely important to have a balanced town council of members from all backgrounds and experiences. I also believe strongly in giving a voice to all of our local employers and employees who live outside of town, uh, but are highly affected by decisions made by town council. Through my experience, I can relate to residents, second homeowners and visitors. I believe my strong suits to be a valuable member of town council are a business background. I've lived in four countries and understand that issues Telluride have are not unique to Telluride. I feel like I have a common sense approach and the ability to make decisions based on data. I've been raising a family in Telluride along with my husband, understanding what is needed to help working families. I've experienced in both being an employee and employer in Telluride. Being a longtime resident, I have, have experienced economic peaks and valleys in Telluride over the last 18 years. I do have experience in all housing levels in the area. I've lived in rental housing, deed restricted housing for over 10 years and self-built free market housing. Uh, thank you, and I hope I have you vote for Town Council Council 2023. We're often told the story that Telluride needs people to support its economy. I think that Telluride's economy should support its people. 
Tourism is our major industry and is the reason for most of our infrastructure needs. And I think we need to be creative and clever about how we fund upcoming projects. I don't think the Telluride taxpayer should be responsible for bearing the cost of the tourism economy. I chose to make Telluride my home because I fell in love with the community and I chose to run a coffee shop because I wanted to give my community a space to gather and connect. Each season, I see more of my people forced out of town as their rent becomes unreasonable or their leases don't get renewed and their house becomes a hotbed for more tourists. Now I'm choosing to run for office because I wanna help. I will continue to advocate for the working class and want to facilitate pathways to successfully build a life here. I hope to leverage the parts of our economy that are successful to help the areas that are suffering with the goal of finding more balance among the people who choose to live, work, and raise their families in Telluride. This is Maria Stark. Um, so I agree we need a variety of skill sets on council and I have a very strong quantitative background both in finance and um, uh, big data. Um, I also have served on boards and commissions since forever <laughs> um, and know how to ask for accountability and, and also ask hard questions. Um, if elected, I will work hard to represent everyone. I really enjoy meeting people and hearing what they care about. And uh, to learn more about me, my website is mariastark.com. Thank you. All right, this is Ashley's story. Um, I think that there were kind of three words that I wanted to use to sum up my candidacy, which was, communication, collaboration, and compromise. Um, I like that they all started with C's, but I also feel like those three things are what create a thriving community. Um, I was born and raised in this town. I actually went to Rainbow Preschool <laughs> and I graduated from high school and I returned back here um, because I think this is the most special place in the world. Um, for a lot of people, Telluride is their chosen home, but Telluride is my only home. And I think that that weighs really heavy on me because um, this is this is it for me. This is my community. And I don't have somewhere else to go if this place doesn't make it. So I love Telluride deeply and I hope to have your vote um, this November. I believe that one of the things we need the most is balance and I'm somebody who stood and walked through the shoes that represent so many different types of people in Telluride and I have a very wide lens when it comes to thinking through problems and collaborating through them and my strengths are that I'm a very active listener. I pride myself on listening and learning and then speaking. And um, my goals, my goals and my vision for Telluride is that we need to maintain a place where everyone who wants a path will have one. And this is a vibrant community. I'm obsessed with the sustainability and the vibrancy of this community. And um, I believe that my background, my work ethic, and my experience here represents so much of what other people have come across and I can speak authentically um, through experience from that and represent everybody very fairly. 
Thank you all. I'm going to make one quick change and invite you to stay seated where you are because we have the very fortunate problem of having run out of seating in the audience. Um, but we will now turn our attention to the three mayoral candidates. Um, and Julia has the first question. Yes. Yep. <laughs> And while we take a break, I'm going to let people know a couple of things. Melanie might want to also. I just wanted to know how to Oh. <laughs> um, so I just want to let everybody know that um, there, on our PwC website, we have some QR codes around the room that will go to the PwC website. And there's a lot of election information there, um, links to various ballot guides, both for the state and maybe locally, I don't know. Yes. Um, and we've asked candidates to give us links to their websites so that you can find information about candidates there. Um, we also have a second forum that we will be hosting next week that's focused on school district candidates and the school district ballot measure and the RICO annexation um, question. So that will be next Thursday, the 26th at the library program room, also 515 to 7, also with simultaneous interpretation and babysitting and food. And we hope that we will see you there as well. And are you ready? Okay, <laughs> let me answer Melanie's question. Um, I think it's just ¿Cuál es el papel del ayuntamiento de Teyure cultivando una cultura antirracista en nuestra comunidad? What is the Telluride Town Council's role in cultivating an anti-racist culture in our community? Teddy. Another great question. Um, and, and not an easy answer, um, but there's no place for racism in this community because that's the behavior that will continue to divide our community. And I truly believe that we can go a long way in solving our problems from the racist uh, issues that we have all the way down to affordable housing and everything in between by just being that leadership team, not only as a council, but demanded out of your staff, demanded out of your out of your commissions and demanding out of it out of your locals the behavior that we want to see and take hate out of our community. I wish I had an easy answer on how I can cultivate a plan to be anti-racist, but if elected as your mayor, you will see and my behavior will be fair across all avenues of our community. And some people have seen that already in my longtime tenure on the town of Telluride Parks and Rec Commission. Um, this is this is a big one, and I don't think I think it's something that starts from within every everyone indiv individually. Um, you know, I recently was reading this book called How to Be an Anti-Racist, and the day I bought it, I drove. I was in uh, Rhode Island, and I drove up to Breton's Point, and there was a Jewish guy with a 
with an Indian woman and I thought to myself, oh, you don't see that. Like, and they just got married and I was like, oh my gosh, like here's part of the problem, you know, just like not thinking and reacting to these types of things that are maybe against the grain or unusual. So it sounds really easy to be an anti-racist, but I think it's something that even if you consider yourself an anti-racist, there's some things in us that have been systemically ingrained and retraining how ourselves, how we approach just everyday situations um, is a big part of it. And maybe part of doing that is while sitting up here in council chambers, we have exercises that we do together um, to, to retrain our, our minds and our hearts and, and be the people that we want to be. I think the Telluride Town Council's role is incredibly strong in cultivating an anti-racist culture in our community. We are the leaders of this community and it is our job, our role to set the tone, to set the stage, to ensure that everyone that comes and visits or lives in this community realizes that racism has no place. Judgment of anybody based on gender or uh, race or background or religion has absolutely no place in a town like this. Um, we need to set best practices. We need to continuously collaborate um, and look through that lens of being anti-racist with every decision that we make, with every policy that we create. We need to say, how does this affect this group or that group? How could this be portrayed by another? And every single decision requires extensive thought um, and extensive guidance from the individuals within this community that can speak more eloquently and more personally to those sorts of inherent systemic behaviors that perhaps someone that did not grow up in that with that background may not see, they may not, they may overlook. Um, and once the town of Telluride Council puts those standard operating practices into play, once we create that sort of um we create that sort of culture within the government, within our businesses, within our community members, we can eventually, hopefully, begin to eradicate racism for all. Thank you. In the last several years, housing has understandably become the hottest topic in town, but Telluride has a long history of leadership on environmental issues, including preservation of open spaces and stewardship. We continue to urgently need both. How will you balance a steady focus on action for both land and people? We'll start with Mian. I think it goes to what I just said. I think oftentimes as a community, as individuals, as groups, we tend to look through the lens of our perspective. And so we look to see what we can have, what we can get, what we need. and. And many times and many experiences we've had, we've left something along the wayside because of it. I think we need as a community to no longer shoot from the hip, no longer kind of wild west our way through our decision making processes as a town council. We need to balance every single decision with what it will do to our community, both now and in the future, what it will do to our need for open space and the preservation of our environment and how we are going to get to our climate action goals, both now and in the future, how it is going to affect our ability to provide a safe and healthy and happy life for our children, for our current residents and for our future community. We've made some decisions in the past that have had you know, some may call unintended consequences, but I think those consequences were there if they were looked for. 
we, I have been a huge proponent. It's the reason I originally ran because I wanted to have a comprehensive plan that really addressed every single thing that could or would potentially be considered both now and 20 years from now. And I think that if we have an action plan that, that addresses everything that could possibly happen, we have the time to be able to answer those questions, to be able to say how things will be affected so we can avoid those pitfalls in the future. I'm going to back up because I made a mistake. I did not let Julia ask this question. So she will ask it and then we'll hear from you too. Es comprensible que en los últimos años la vivienda se haya convertido en un tema más candente en la ciudad. Pero Teyure tiene una larga historia de liderazgo en cuestiones ambientales, incluida la preservación de espacios abiertos y la administración. Seguimos necesitando ambos con urgencia. ¿Cómo vas a equilibrar un enfoque constante en la acción tanto como para la tierra como para las personas? Thank you. Uh, Jesse. Um, I have been on the Open Space Commission for six years, uh, Samuel Watershed Coalition for two and a half years, and was also on Zero Waste Task Force. Um, my devotion to environmental sustainability has never been a question of my candidacy or just in my personal life. I think that it's not as difficult as some may think to address and focus on action for both land and people. I think we've seen numerous studies on the importance of exercise or community ventures outside and what they do for mental health. So, you know, maybe focusing more on projects and programs that promote our open space and also promote healthy mental um, health for any anybody who's participating in the programs. Um, I think that being at the top of the watershed is one of the most huge responsibilities ever. And it's something that I don't think many of us have taken as seriously as we need to. So if elected, it will be a very big priority for me and the rest of council and Telluride staff, um, we're at a very scary point environmentally. And though we have a wonderful, comprehensive climate action plan, our little tiny town won't make a huge niche. So this is another opportunity where we go to our regional stakeholders and maybe even further than that and really try and get on the, all, the same page environmentally so that these efforts will actually make the difference that they were intended to make. Thank you, Teddy. There are two great topics that need a certain level of balance. And I think we've done a good job environmentally and it's exciting to see things like composting um, coming to town very soon. And we've done a good job with preservation of open space and have plenty of it. This may sound silly, but I think we're relatively surrounded by open space. So to me, there is no balance in the immediate future. That balance has to tilt to affordable housing and building affordable housing now. When we start creating 200, 300, 400, 500 units in our region, then we can start to really prioritize back on the environmental issues, open space, and that stewardship. It really comes down to me is we have a choice as, as people in this community and what's our biggest challenge. We know they all are significant challenges, but until we solve our housing crisis, the other stuff I don't want to say it doesn't matter, but it just has to take a back seat till we give everyone the basic right and solve their basic needs for housing in our community. And like I said, we need to do it now. All right. So we're down to our final question. 
Um, why do you want to be mayor rather than a council member? And what do you see as the difference between the roles? And we started with Teddy, we started with me, and we'll start with Jesse. And first we'll hear from Julia. ¿Por qué quieres ser alcalde en lugar de concejal? ¿Y cuáles crees que son las diferencias entre los dos roles? Thanks. Um, I've spent the last six years as a town council member, and I love being in this role. I love advocating for the diverse community that everyone calls Telluride home. This feels like a natural progression to me. Politics and being a local activist is something that I've been involved in since I was in grade school. This is um, a long-term, lifelong job for me. This is not something that I need to do. This is something that I want to do. This is this is my home. There's three generations of my family here, and I want to leave this place when I go the way it was, surrounded by love, when it's time for me to leave. All right, Teddy. If elected, and the reason why I'm running to be mayor is to create a new level of leadership that I think is lacking. I do think our previous councils have done a very good job in trying to solve the needs of our community and have put the building blocks in place for us to be a great community. But we need a leader who can act and can act now. And I feel that as a servant to this community, it is my leadership that I can gauge our council, that can engage our town staff, that can engage our commissions to know they work with the power that they have, and most importantly, by making efficient decisions and efficient meetings, respect the time of our locals to come and contribute to make sure we have the best solutions possible. And unfortunately, I don't think I can do that as a council member. I think I need to be in that position of leadership to do the best that I can. And this really isn't something that I want to do. And I want to be clear on that, but it is something that I need to do. I love this community and it needs to be better. I have never had never thought that I would be sitting in the seat that I am in currently. I never thought that I would be leading the town of Telluride council. Um, but when I ran for council, I ran for one reason, and it was that I love this community and I wanted to make sure that the future of this community was set and and solid. Um, I've sat as a council person, I've sat in that this seat, I've attended meetings, I've been on committees that have really shaped and are shaping the future of, of the town of Telluride. I want to be mayor because I do understand the difference in the roles. I'm the only of the three candidates that have sat in these in the particular role and understand what it entails. I understand the nuance of developing those relationships with um, with our stakeholders in the community, whether it's Mountain Village, whether it's the ski resort, whether it's the county, um, whether it's some of our larger employers. Um, I have worked with all of our boards and commissions. We are working feverishly to create um, paths forward for all of our commissions to make, make sure that our staff is successful, that the community is successful, that our children are successful. I do believe that I am the person that is able to lead this government through the next four years in a way that will leave this town better off than it was four years from now and hopefully better off than it is right to right today and so i think i'm just gonna leave it there it's three seconds <laughs> i could keep going <laughs> all right thank you all so much 
Um, we're now going to have 90 second closing statements and we will start with Teddy. First and foremost, thank you for putting this forum together. Thank you for everyone attending this in the room on YouTube and listening to Kodo. Because the most important thing is for everyone to get educated about this election and all aspects of it and get out and vote. But why I think I'm the ideal candidate is because I'm a true and proven leader at many different levels in my own business, past experience running the Association of Realtors, the youth hockey program, numerous boards, and the current chair of Telluride Parks and Recreation Commission. But what is my why? Why am I running? Because as a 28-year local, I care about the community and it has to be a better place to live and we're heading in the wrong direction. I like the lifestyle, I like to ski, I like the festivals, and I like sitting on Main Street and watching the world go by. We can do this in transparency and action. We can do it with collaboration with the other local governments and largest employers. But we need to complete our projects now. The time to wait is over. I can do it. And that's why you should vote for me. And I'll leave you on this note. I mentioned it a little before, but we have to empower our younger generations to get involved because they will be our future and our success. It's our town. It's our future. Let me be your mayor. Vote for Teddy. And for more information, just go to teddyfortown.com to learn a little bit more about me. Jesse. I love representing our diverse community and working towards a creative, sustainable, and equi equitable solutions for the many challenges we are all facing. As the only candidate who was born and raised in Tyride, I feel it's imperative to have the historic perspective, our community values to help preserve what we all love in this magical valley. As a result of my wide range of professional work experiences, I possess a keen understanding for the local economy and I've been able to establish strong relationships with many different members of the Tyride community. I have time and time again shown that I am fair, ethical, and represent everyone equally. I have shown true leadership under the most difficult circumstances when no one else could. I practice transparency, whether in council or in my personal life. I have an intimate relationship with the Latin community, not because I sit on a board or work for a nonprofit, but because we eat together, raise kids together, dance together, talk about work challenges together, and support each other in our darkest moments, as well as our happiest moments. I'm a mother, a problem solver, a business owner, a waitress, a ski coach, a daughter, an outdoor enthusiast, a multitasker. But most of all, I'm the one who's ready to roll up my sleeves for the people of this community and ensure our long-term viability economically, socially, and environmentally. My agenda is simple. It's to do the most amount of good for the most amount of people while teaching my daughter how to advocate for all and love all, teaching her to fight the good fight. Thank you. Me in. Um, Ashley said something really beautiful in her closing statement that Telluride is many people's chosen home, but this is her only home. Um, while I chose to make Telluride this uh, my home, it truly is my only home as well. I met my husband, I raised my child, I started my business, and I lead an industry here. This town is my home and the people that are here are my family. The town of Telluride deserves a mayor with the experience, relationships, and knowledge to ensure that the town will be better off four years from now than it is today. And I believe that I am that person. Telluride needs a mayor with the depth of knowledge and the experience to intelligently make decisions and lead the community forward, sometimes even when there isn't a clear-cut path. You need a mayor that can see all sides, all angles, and all perspectives during a discussion, even the ones that are not being spoken or shared. 
You need a mayor that is committed to seeking out all voices, those that are loud, but especially those that are soft. I believe that I'm the only candidate of the three that can do this while creating a transparent, informed, inclusive, and equitable government in which all of our community members can act, be active participants in the discussions that matter to them the most. I look forward to serving the town of Telluride now and in the future. As I have said since I originally ran for council, this is your town. I am your voice, but this is our future. Please join me in creating the town that we want Telluride to be. Vote me in for mayor on November 7th so that we can all move forward together. Thank you so much. Um, thank you everyone for joining us this evening. Thanks especially to Julia and to Antonio. Um, thank you to the candidates and presenters and to Koto. We also had just had support from Tri-County Health Network and the library in putting on this event. Ballots will be mailed this week. I got notification that mine was in the mail, so everybody should be getting their ballots. Um, they are due back by the end of the day on election day, November 7th. And as I mentioned before, please join the PWC for a second election event featuring candidates for the Telluride School Board and presentations on school district related ballot measures next Thursday, October 26th, 515 to seven in the library program room. Good evening. Thank you. Thank you.